And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Paul Kangor, the Senior Director and Chief Academic Fellow for the Center for Vision and Values and Professor of Political Science, Grove City College. Dr. Kangor, it's an honor to have you on with us again today. Uh, well, thanks, Dan. It's always, I always enjoy doing your show. Thank you. Well, um, you're an expert on things pertaining to Ronald Reagan, the Cold War, and communism. Um, I had a thought, and I was wondering if maybe we could go down a certain path today, and that is um, back during Hitler's time, the, the rise of Hitler to power in Nazi Germany, there were some practices, some things, some takeaways that Hitler imposed upon the people. And I was wondering if, first of all, if we could have a short study. What did it look like back then? What was some things that were big in his mind that he really needed to take away from the people? Well, for one thing, Dan, it's, it's crucial to understand what Hitler really was. And he, he was he's a fascist, as everybody always says. And so a lot of people on the on the left, like to put him in the category of far right, which is where they put, where they tend to put fascists. Uh, really, I think the only way you put him on the far right would be in the sense that he was a, a hyper nationalist and 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 a racist. Although I I don't like the idea of putting racists on the right because conservatives are on the right, and and no conservative should ever, according to conservative ideology, ever be a racist. Sure. I know people on the left like to like to try to make that case, but they'll call neo-Nazi groups and so forth far right or extreme right. But but you know, Hitler as a Nazi, Nazi stood for nationalist socialist, and 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 the full name of the Nazi Party was Nationalist Socialist German Workers Party, and you know that <laughs> doesn't exactly sound like a free market conservative there, right? I mean. Socialist and Workers' Party in the same name sounds like somewhere between socialism and communism. And now, the, the Nazis were adamantly against the communists, but anybody that's done any work or study or has any experience with these movements knows that it, it's kind of amazing. You can have a, a, a difference, a tiny, minute difference between a, a Stalinist and a Trotskyist, a, an American socialist, a, an American communist, and communist and socialist in France, where you know there's really not a lot of big difference, but these groups will hate each other over that. Uh, between uh, somebody followed Jay Lovestone in the United States, an early communist socialist, and somebody who followed John Reed, one of the founders of the American Communist Party. So there, there, you know, there are really not a lot of huge differences in, in, in the two. But I, I guess I'd say in Hitler's case, that they were they were big government socialist nationalists who nationalized certain industries, controlled uh, big parts of the economy, didn't seek to ban all private property in the way that the communists did, and and really you know, their thing was you know, their hate was driven according to the class to race, but but they were they were pagans they were atheistic. They were uh, they they were evolutionists. In fact, racial eugenics is what is what really drove Hitler and his and his Nazi party. So you know, there were certain groups there that they attacked, and it and it wasn't just Jews who obviously got the worst of it. No question about about that. 
Hitler killed six million Jews, but but he hated a whole bunch of different groups, and you know, that ranged from the disabled to to the to the to the elderly to the church as well. And church, this would be church small C Christendom, right? Uh, small C church Christendom generally. He was he was at war with the Lutherans, Catholics. Presbyterians, the Methodists. So uh, that involved depriving a lot of people of basic civil liberties. And if you didn't agree with the Nazi party, no matter who you were, a a Jew, a Gypsy, a Slav, a Lutheran, a Catholic, uh, you found yourself under the jackboot of of the state. Well, that's very helpful. I've actually been uh, reading uh, Eric Metaxas' book, um, Seven Men, and one chapter caught my interest was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, he's done a whole book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, that right, too. Right. Yeah, so um, yeah. that's been a fascinating read, and we've been sharing it uh, with our listeners on um, The Covenant Home. But this thing of Nazism, um, it bothers me sometimes that people are so quick to throw a label out and accuse uh, Christians who hold to the Word of God, and because of that, they hold to smaller government, and they hold to uh, basically a, a liberty and free market principles. Uh, they, they believe that it's wrong to steal, and it's definitely wrong to redistribute wealth to others. Uh, other things that characterized Hitler, I believe he disarmed the people, did he not? He did, and, and and for people to, to, to you're, you're correct to toss around that word, calling people he disagree with a Nazi, a fascist. It's it's really it's it's really a symptom of, of their shallowness, their ignorance, and and their viciousness. Because I mean, you 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 just can't go around slinging that in, in the way that they do, and 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 especially against uh, you know, a, a Christian who might be against redefining marriage, right? You know, a Christian would say, well, I, I, I can't do that. My definition of marriage is, is you know, according to, to Jesus and the historical understanding of the tradition of my church, my denomination. He made them male and female. A man and a woman shall leave their parents and cling to one another. The two shall become one flesh. That's their understanding of biblical, biblical natural marriage. And so because you don't like that, you go and you think of, oh, what's the thing that's the worst in the world, according to a liberal? Well, a Nazi. Okay, then I'm going to call you a Nazi, Yeah, because I disagree with you on that. And if that doesn't work, and that seems like, okay, maybe that's a little unfair to apply the Nazi level, label, well, I'll just call you a hater, yes, right? Yes. Or, or, or Nazi might be, too, you know, that's a little more narrowly applied, so I'll just call you a general fascist, right? <laughs> and, you know, there, too, I would... Well, who was the other fascist of World War II? That that was Mussolini in Italy. Mussolini was not only a socialist, he was a Marxist. Mussolini was actually a Marxist. So Hitler is not a Marxist. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, they toss around those labels recklessly. And ironically, too, on, on the gun part of it, uh, yeah, American conservatives are about the right to bear arms. Hitler was not about the right to bear arms. <laughs> Yeah, he would. He would have been. I guess you. Know, he would have had more in common there with an American leftist, right? In yeah. terms of of advocating gun control, right? 
the yeah. commonality there. Let me restate it so so liberals don't lose their minds and start screaming at their radios. The commonality there would be for gun control. Sure. And, and Hitler wanted gun control because he wanted only the government to have guns so he could take on, take on a disarmed population. You want to see a really neat thing, Dan. There's a group called, called uh, Jews for Firearms. They actually have a website. They've been around for a long time. And they, if you go to the website, they actually have a, a little cartoon or caricature it says, everybody in favor of gun control, raise your right hand. And it's a picture of Hitler with his right hand in the air, right? See, Heil. <laughs> because, because the idea there, and, and these are Jews who understood that the way that the, that the Nazis were able to do what they did was in part by taking over the population. That the people couldn't resist the SS and the Gestapo because the people had been disarmed. And one of the things conservatives always say in the United States, conservatives who support the NRA and, 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 and gun rights, and liberals always shriek at this when they hear this, but conservatives will say, well, you know, it's not just about the right to hunt deer. It's, it's about the right to be able to resist a tyrannical government. And liberals go, whoa, what are you saying? A tyrannical government? Well, that's not going to happen in America. Well, well I, you know, hopefully it won't. But, but that, that's precisely to resist the kind of Nazi situation. Or if you don't like the situation of the Nazis, okay, how about maybe Pol Pot, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, any of the communist regimes, or any other number of, of dictatorial regimes? Saddam Hussein, right? He wasn't a Marxist. He wasn't a Nazi. Uh, some other dictator. But, but the right to bear arms allows you to be able to put together a, a group, if you can, to, to resist the tyrannical government. That was, that was part of the thinking that, that, that went into that by the founders. Now, this is very interesting. Um, today we've been talking about uh, the National Socialist Germans Workers' Party and some of the, how that fleshed out, what characterized it, you know, on the ground, what did the people go through? Another thing they went through, and I, I saw this afresh in the movie Alone in Berlin. I happened to watch that the other night. And um, that was uh, shutting down of free speech. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that free speech that extended from, boy, from the, in the press to what you could say publicly, what you could say in the classroom, uh, going through different German schools and, and arresting Jewish professors, teachers, uh, uh, professors who, uh, again, Christians, many of them Christians, who didn't toe the Nazi, the party line, and uh, book burnings, right? Yeah. Massive book burnings, banning books like All Quiet on the Western Front, which was a 1929 book that was written by a German veteran of the war, um, Eric Maria Remarque, which people often think that he was French. He was actually German. And you know, that, that fostered a great pacifist movement, not only in, in Germany, but also in Europe and the United States. And Hitler didn't want pacifism in the 1930s. And he, he wanted pacifism among the Brits, among the French, among the people who might resist him. But as far as his German population, he was gearing them up for war. 
to go to go and take all of all of the rest of Europe. Yeah. But but yeah, so so freedom of speech and craft assembly, literature, writing, music, all those different things. If 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 you were at odds with with the party, then 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 the Nazi party, the Nazi government, the Hitler government sought to sought to ban it. Yeah. Well, my interest in this, uh, it, well, it's varied, but but one point of interest is that I, I see here, as we've reviewed the Nazi Party, uh, this push for big government, uh, nationalization of at least certain industries, um, hate, uh, according to some some measure, and you mentioned eugenics, that certainly was there, certainly with the Jewish population, the disabled, the elderly, the church, um, and I'm thinking in our own day, unborn babies that are deemed inconvenient. And you know what? The more I step back and look at this, the more I see a lot of similarities uh, f- with this to some of the candidates and what they're pushing today in America. And I, I don't even think we have to name names, but some of these principles are very similar, frighteningly similar to what they're pushing. Right, yeah. And, and, and you know, the governor of Virginia talking about making the baby comfortable after it survived an abortion procedure, uh, make it comfortable while it's allowed to, to die, right? Yeah. To peacefully, to peacefully die. I mean, if that's, if that's not a, a, a Nazi-like, uh, even, even Pope Francis referred to some of the modern-day abortionists as, uh, as, as Nazi, Nazis with white gloves yeah. in, their, in, their, in their pursuit of, of eugenics and I was I was at the the Fulton Sheen Center in New York, Dan, last week, and which which actually has a play running right now about Bishop von Galen, who was a a Catholic bishop in Germany under Hitler, and he was speaking out against the T nine program. That was the program instituted by the Nazi government to eliminate mentally retarded children. And and, oh, and to and 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 right now throughout the West, including countries like like Iceland, Iceland was bragging recently that they've eliminated the problem of mental retardation in the country. And how have they eliminated the problem? Well, well, it, it sounds so nice, right? It's so beautiful. We've we've eliminated the problem. They've eliminated it by liquidating, by killing unborn mentally retarded babies in the womb. Oh, by, by identifying them pre-birth, and you know, that—that's what Pope Francis was referring to. That kind of thing as being Nazi-like and, and eugenic, yeah. so where you decide that these people aren't fit to live. And I know many people who have mentally retarded Down syndrome children, and they will tell me that uh, you know, the, the child is the is the happiest kid in their family. Right? I've heard that time <laughs> never, and again. Yeah, never gets depressed. Uh, always happy. Uh, no, can't sit down and maybe read a book by Shakespeare or do some of the uh, higher order type of of, 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 of of mental things. And you know, won't go on to school and get a PhD. Uh, not going to live till they're seventy or eighty years old. But, uh, but, but guess what? In the lives that they have, they actually have pretty good lives and turn out to be quite a blessing. To yeah. the family, yeah, the and the idea that you want to eliminate them. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm just thinking back to Hitler again. Um, you know, 
do we really want to give government control over health care, let's say, when they can decide, okay, you're so disabled, um, we're going to, I don't know, give you some some course of treatment. You're not going to have much of choice in it. Uh, maybe you're so old. We, you know, I fear that sort of thing, that that we're, we're ceding control into an area of our own private lives that is so very unwise, and we're cutting off the church from, from giving help to people and other private um, institutions that are well-known for helping others. I, I'm very concerned over what some want to push down our throats. Let's say, let's call it Medicare for All. Yeah, and that, and I, you're seeing that already in in European countries that, that have that have government medicine and you know, rationing, end of life, euthanasia, and and you get to a point and and this is a, this is in particular a big problem in, in Europe, Dan, because of, of people not having children. So so you, you're running into many 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 situations where you'll have a, a an 85 90 year old person. Who whose, whose spouse is now gone? They didn't have any children, or if they did, maybe they had one child, and that one child is sort of out of the picture. And that person is now in a nursing home or, or in a hospital. They have severe dementia, and it, and the state starts to starts to ask the question, right? Well, you know, this how, how long does, should this person continue to live off taxpayer resources, right? Now, my argument and the Christian argument should be, well, that person is made in the image of God, and that person has inherent human dignity, and, and the state has a duty to protect that person and take care of that person. The state shouldn't be looking for reasons to kill that person, right? To say, oh, well, they're costing the state $25,000 a year in our new government, our new uh, you know, wonderful government health care system. So that person's a, a drain on resources and taxpayers. That person should be eliminated. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the problem of going to a, a, a single-payer, 100% government system. Yeah. People like that are going to be euthanized at, you know, in, in cultures that increasingly embrace euthanasia. And we have states in the United States. Oregon, Washington State, others, more liberal states that, that are that are embracing euthanasia. I was sharing with my students yesterday in class something that I was reading to them earlier in the semester. There's actually a human composting movement that's going on right now, yep. and including in Oregon and Washington State. You can find a piece at the top of Crisis Magazine right now by John uh, Grondoleski on the human composting movement, where you have certain secular liberal progressives, very new age types, non-believers, who are, who are now pushing this idea of, of when you die, don't just offer your body to science, don't just get cremated, but maybe you could do something good for the environment and offer your body for human composting. Yeah. to actually be used as fertilizer. I mean, imagine that. Imagine that. Now, this is going to sound insane to people, but you will actually run into secular progressives and liberals who will make the argument. I guarantee you, just write something about it and go to the viewer comments, the reader comments. It won't be hard to find. People who will, who will say, 
yeah, well, you know, my body's just going to rot. I don't believe in God. I was going to get it cremated. Why not contribute something valuable to it and let it be recycled into the earth, right? And this would be completely unchristian as, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But 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 you 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 will see that. And as a father of eight, uh, two of which are adopted, by the way, but but I hear from liberals all the time. Oh well, that's selfish. The world has a limited amount of resources. We're overpopulating. <laughs> and you're just adding to that. You're adding to the overpopulation. What a you're joke. draining the resources. Yeah, and I had to tell them, Dan, hey, my kids are going to be paying for your Medicare and Medicaid. Yes. Right? Oh, what are yeah, you complaining about? So true. And, and right? the, the greatest resource in this world are human beings. Uh, from, right. From, from them, um, particularly Christians, as they invent things and they care for others and pay for others, uh, you are absolutely right. Hey, we've got only a few minutes left. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about more, but before I run out of time, could you uh, help us? Um, is there anything you've written recently or any website or any address you'd like to give out? Well, I, I have a, a weekly column for American Spectator, which is uh, spectator.org. And if you go there, you can read all my columns on socialism. In fact, I just wrote on Margaret Sanger and eugenics uh, last week. I have a piece there on on uh, the Kate Smith controversy in New York, where they're banning her God Bless America because they found in, in her past that she sang a couple songs that had insensitive racial references in them. And, I, and I'm saying, I just got back from New York at the Sheen Center, where I was at Margaret Sanger Square. And, and I want to know, if you're going to ban Kate Smith, why in the world aren't you banning Margaret Sanger? Yes. She's not only a racial eugenicist, she had a Negro project, and she spoke to the KKK. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but, but they love her because, because she founded Planned Parenthood. So I have an article up there on that, and that, that's a good place to find my articles. You can find my books at... At, at Amazon, I recently did the, the politically incorrect guide to communism, which talks about socialism, communism, yeah. the Nazis, the, the Bolsheviks, and, and lays out some of these distinctions that we talked about here today. Well, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, I just want to touch on very, very briefly um, here with Dr. Paul Kengor today, Venezuela. Um, was that ever a nice place to live, or was it always like this? Uh, socialism, or what Hugo Chavez and his many supporters in America and in the West at the turn of the last century were touting as 21st century socialism, right? This was supposed to be the newfangled, wonderful, dazzling idea, 21st century socialism. I could show you articles from People's World and other American communist and socialist and progressive websites raving about how well, finally, socialism is going to be done right here in Venezuela, uh, a country where we are wealthy with oil resources. It'll be done right here. And when you look at it and you look at the results, 21st century socialism in Venezuela looks a lot like 20th century communism. Yeah, that's and, what I thought. Social, yeah, that's right. And our socialists, Dan, they're not going to say, uh, wow, boy, we were wrong. They're going to say, well, you know what? Venezuela, they just didn't do it quite right either, right? 
Yeah. Um, but, but if we try it, we try it, our time, you know, the 1,922nd time that it's been tried, we'll get it right if only you give us enough power, right? Yes. If you don't give us enough power, it's going to be your fault. Or maybe it'll be Donald Trump's fault, right? Yeah. It'll never be the fault of the socialists and the central planners. It's yeah. always somebody else's fault. Never the ideology, never the socialism or the socialist. Always the fault of some greedy people who get in the way, who just don't give them all the power that they need to do it right. Yeah, it's it's so true. And in the news fairly recently, there was a story about them running over their own people with vehicles. It was shocking. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. And that was ordered by the defense minister, a guy named Vladimir. You don't meet a lot of Vladimirs from Latin America, <laughs> right? Uh, other, than, other than Che Guevara's son, who was named Vladimir. <laughs> only the two Latinos named Vladimir I've ever heard of. And, yeah, they uh, went after the people without the guns. And they there ran them down. Yep, and all the people could do was throw some gasoline bombs with them, which must have cost a lot of money because Venezuela, with the largest oil reserves of any country in the Western Hemisphere other than the United States, they're waiting in line for gasoline because they have socialism. Yeah, and it's true. socialism means that you can't even get gasoline out of a country that has oil. Well, there's a lot no, of similarities here. No gasoline here. and no toilet paper. Yes, <laughs> There's a lot of similarities here between what some people are pushing down the throats of Americans and what we have seen happen in history. And uh, practically speaking, it just doesn't work. Today we've been talking with Dr. Paul Kangor, Senior Director, Chief Academic Fellow for the Center for Vision and Values, Professor of Political Science at Grove City College. Dr. Kangor, it's always an honor to have you on with us. Well, well, thank you, Dan. You're too kind and by the way, we're, we're, we are changing the name of the Center for Vision and Values to the Institute for Faith and Freedom. Oh, cool. So that, yeah, that's been a, that's a big change for us. So if you type in either one of those, Center for Vision and Values or Institute for Faith and Freedom, it'll take you to our website, and, and many of my articles are posted there as well. Oh, very good. Well, thanks for joining us, and dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.